Welcome back. No dust fan tonight. Jay Binkley, Nathan, producing the operation. Still got a couple of nicknames for Nathan. I throw dog by everybody's name. Like, you'd be Nate Dog. Well, Nate Dog or, or, like, you know, Big Nate. So there, there's a couple of classics, but we got to come up with something better. Yeah, everybody's a dog. And then uh, Ron Kopp, lead analyst, ArrowheadPride.com, my partner in crime. Yes, sir. Uh, he shows up on Arrowhead Pride Radio each and every week uh, with Pete Sweeney and Dustman. And, of course, uh, Ron and I go way back to even when he was quarterback in high school oh, when gosh. he threw six interceptions <laughs> in one game. And there I called we go. It. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. That's your proper introduction. But uh, Hey, we're in better and football. And we talk down. a lot of draft. We talk a lot of draft. I went off on Sean O'Hara a little bit ago. And well deserved. I, I don't usually do that very often, but, you know, he's talking about still taking Allen over Mahomes, and Bucky Brooks is looking at him like, what? Yeah. And it's like he's 0-3 against him, against Mahomes. He had so many fallacies in what he said. He was talking about the better offense. He's talking about better running back and all. Yeah. Well, James Cook had 1,100 yards. Are you he had more. Me? Yeah. He had more yards, same amount of catches as Isaiah, but about 200 more yards than Isaiah Pacheco did. And the Chiefs did lead the NFL in drops. They had more drops than the drops than the Buffalo Bills. And the fact the field goal wouldn't have won it; it would have tied it. And Patrick Mahomes would have had about a minute 45 and two timeouts uh, to go. And the Chiefs fumbled the ball to the end zone, and they didn't jump on a fumble. They could have. So that was a fallacy. And then when he brought up the overtime rule. Oh, yeah, and they had to change it because Josh Allen didn't get his chance that 13 seconds. Well, the Chiefs tried to change the rule back in 2019 when Tom Brady did it to him. Right. They tried to change the rule, but the NFL said no. They said no. They said no, we don't want to change the rule. Then it happens to Josh Allen, and they changed the rule. People say they only changed the rule for the Chiefs. They did it for the Buffalo Bills, but they don't. They didn't fit the narrative. They don't talk about that, Ron. No, it, they don't talk about that. It was way too popular of a take for people to be be on on national broadcast, even on Twitter, just saying that Josh Allen outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes just happened to win, and that's just ridiculous. Just because there were misplays by the Bills, I think people just see that Stephon Diggs drop deep down the field, right, and say, "Oh, because his number one receiver missed a play, that means he played better than than his stat line, or he played better than Mahomes." Mahomes did miss some throws. I will say there was. On that second field goal drive, he actually had a couple throws that into the end zone were open touchdowns, and he missed them. That was about the only time, really, that Mahomes was off, was off that game. I actually have a stat that I tweeted out, Jay, where on non-screen passes, so PFF isolated dropbacks where he did not throw a screen, he went 12 for 17 on those 19 dropbacks. All 12 completions ended in a first down or a touchdown. That just tells you that when Mahomes was dropping back, he was dealing, he was, he was making it happen, he was moving the chains, I mean, it was a, a, an incredibly efficient day from him, and he really didn't need to do that much because the run game obviously was just so impactful, and they really rode that. So, yeah, I, I think if Mahomes needed to do more, if he need, if, if the Bills would have tied that game, I'm feel, I'm pretty confident Mahomes would have went down and won it himself, and then there would have been a lot less discussion about who was playing better because Mahomes would have proved it right then and there. But hey, I mean, if people really want to make that that argument, I think that's just ridiculous. I mean, Mahomes clearly played. He won. He, he won the. You know, it was 34. It was going to be 34-24 before that McColl fumble. Do you think the Chiefs have kind of figured out like who and what they are? Because we go back to that Raiders game where they were just uh, out physical with the line. Raiders won the the uh, on the offensive side of the line, the defensive side of the line. They did, but then it's like from then on the Chiefs. Yes, they've had their light on field goals more than touchdowns at points with with the uh, with the six field goals that we saw from Harrison Butker. Then we've seen the four from him. So. Yeah, it's been a thing. And uh, but I, I always look back at New England in their run. I mean, mm -hmm. they were a defensive team right away with Troy Brown and all that. And Troy was their leading receiver. Then he played a little defense the year after that in Branch. And then all of a sudden, here comes Randy Moss and Welker yeah. and all that. And they were a great offense. You know, Tom Brady was lighting up the scoreboard. They didn't win a title with those guys. Randy Moss never won one. 
with New England. But then they found a way to go back to defense, and that's how they beat the Rams that last uh, Super Bowl they had with, with defense. And that Falcons game was just both. Uh, it was back and forth, that 28-3 game. But they've, you got to find out who and what you are and what kind of team you have. And I really feel like the Chiefs have kind of settled into what they are. What they are right now is a defensive team that, hey, if they have to settle for field goals, they don't mind doing it because they know they don't have to score touchdowns every game, every uh, every opportunity. Right, and well, what, how the offense has reflected that is by you saw these last two games. They have really bought into the heavy tight end sets where they're playing a lot of 12 and 13 personnel, two and three tight end sets, running the ball out of those sets, right? Because the thing is, you know, when you, when you line up in those formations, it seems like it's a more obvious, uh, you know, uh, uh, play for a run play right for the defense to maybe get on but when you're able to pass out of those plays you know it makes the world a difference and they've been able to recently right Noah Gray has made a few big plays these last couple games you know Travis Kelsey has found space from those uh, you know formations out of play action so it is very patriotic I've been making that same comparison because all of a sudden they're going heavy tight ends right when when you know we thought Mahomes was the spread guy where you know he was going to be always operating in kind of those spread sets yeah, those touchdowns there's two and three tight ends out there there's right. several situations with Kelsey Bell and Noah Gray out there exactly and so it 13. is it it is very Patriotsy, and it was it was the way they were able to take advantage of the injuries in the Buffalo uh, second level of the defense. Right, they had linebacker injuries, they had safety, slot cornerback injuries. Well, hey, guess who's blocking those guys out in space on those runs? It's tight ends rather than receivers. You know, it's it's the linemen pulling out into space onto those onto you know Taron Johnson, a slot cornerback. So. Yeah, all that to say is it is nice to see the Chiefs buy into that because I think that is how their offensive personnel is shaped this year. They can't go into that those spread looks, you know, and be the spread team that they usually are. They kind of have to be condensed and just, you know, start running it down their people's throats. Are they able to do it uh, now with the, with this? I mean, they are what they are, obviously. And the receiving game, it's interesting about Rice. We say, all right, the Chiefs have a receiver. They actually do with Rice. Because out of all the draft picks, all the receivers that were drafted, even pass catchers and tight ends, like Sam Laporte and all that, only in yardage, only Puka from wide receivers had more yards mm-hmm. than uh, Rasheed Rice, and only Puka had more catches at wide receivers that were taken. So he was the second most productive wide receiver drafted this year, and they only drafted one. You know, they threw a dart one time at a receiver. Yeah. It was Rasheed Rice. Receivers weren't that great in, the, in this past draft. I mean, it just wasn't. But – and Puka, I'm not giving him any credit because every team passed on him. Even the even the Rams passed on oh, him, yeah. you know, four times before they finally got him. So Puka's just kind of one of those anomalies that happened. But Rasheed Rice did have more catches in yards than any other rookie wide receiver. Well, and what's really impressive about Rasheed is that lately we've been seeing the Chiefs kind of use him in the ways that they want to use Travis or they've liked to use Travis Kelsey in the past, right? On these cross, crossing patterns, on these routes over the middle of the field where He's really just kind of fitting between defenders, finding space. And once he catches it, the best thing about Rice so far we've all seen is he gets upfield quick and he gets upfield, uh, you know, with with uh, you know a head of steam, right? And he's and he's breaking through tackles. That's the thing that maybe Travis has kind of lost a little bit, right? You know, uh, this year is that maybe he's not the yak threat he used to be. Well, the Chiefs are now rep- replicating that or substituting it, I should say, by putting Rice in those roles, and so he's kind of maybe making the most out of those crossing patterns and everything. If you actually look at Travis Kelsey's route tree from this last game, no crossing patterns targeted at all. It was all passes, you know, corner routes. It was all out routes. I thought that was kind of interesting because Travis Kelsey usually is running all the way across the field over and over. I think Rice is starting to do a lot more of those. So you think at this point, Rice, uh, it's fair to say that he's helping Kelsey out. Right, exactly. Season, he exactly. Right, because it, it, it makes so Kelsey's he's, job he's, simplified. Kelsey's obviously public enemy number one with anybody they play. So Rice is now part of that equation. 
Right. Like how are we going to try to slow this guy down? Because this guy is obviously the Chiefs' main target. Well, and a good example, if you watch that MVS, that 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 big play to MVS right out of halftime, right? Um, the 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 it was a sideline fade route um, down the field, big play by MVS. You see Rasheed over the middle. The strong safety actually comes down and really guards him tight, um, thinking that Mahomes maybe goes to him. What the and hell was that all year, man, from <laughs> MVS? <laughs> Well, yeah, right. But that's what triggers Mahomes to, to go to the vertical route. But it just shows you that, you know, Rice is now opening up other things for players and that they have two guys that can kind of, you know, give defenses that worry of, oh, you know, we have to guard them over the middle. It's going to continue to open up things for other guys. It just takes them executing. Like you said, MBS finally did. If they can continue to do that, if Justin Watson can make his catches, if, if you know, if McColl, you know, doesn't fumble on the times he does, you know, as long as they don't give those guys too many opportunities and really focus on the the, the three headed monster, it'll be good. Yeah, because Justin had one go through his hands in the Buffalo game. Yeah, he should have got. But we've seen a lot of drops this year in the NFL, including Tyree Kill, who was number two in the NFL and dropped passes. He really was. I mean, as good as years he had, because he had an amazing year. He still had a lot of drops uh, this season as well. So Rasheed Rice and what he does with this offense. What about the Pacheco factor? Because he didn't play in that first Buffalo game. Plays in this one. He runs extremely hard. He was going over seven yards of carry at the point where Hardman got the carry out the one and fumbled. And I, <laughs> I kind of was with everybody else there. Run the damn ball with Pacheco, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Don't and get that, too cute. Well, and that's the thing is Pacheco's run style is is that of getting downhill, right? Finding a certain lane and hitting it as hard as he can so he can gather steam and, and turn it into a bigger play. Well, the Chiefs' traditional run plays are not like that, right? They like to do a lot of zone where it's patience, finesse. You're reading the blocks. You're kind of getting the most you can six, seven yards at a time. This playoffs, they've really flipped that around. We're seeing a lot more downhill, down scheme, run blocking plays where you have Tooney pulling into space. You have Trey Smith pulling or down destroying a defensive tackle on the down block, right? We've seen him do that a couple times. Christian Wilkins you know, absolutely plowed at uh, one play in the, in the Dolphins game. So the Chiefs play calling is allowing the run game to really look better by calling more power runs, counter runs, not these zone runs all the time. And that helps Mahomes. I mean, just yeah. be able to turn around and not have to carry the team at all different times. And when he runs the ball, it's extremely effective. It's timely runs with him. And they're very good. In- oh, he picks and chooses the right yeah. times. And one of the stats that'll kind of surprise you Chiefs postseason history, Mahomes is their leading rusher. <laughs> He's the leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs in the That's postseason. That's amazing. I mean, they haven't had consistent running back play in this Mahomes era, so I, it, it makes sense. Damian Williams, I thought maybe he would have a chance. That's what Travis thought, too. Kelsey so. led the Chiefs 93 catches, 121 targets for 984 yards. Uh, Rasheed Rice, uh, 79 catches, 102 targets. So he ended up with 102. He ended up with over 100 targets this year for 938 in that game. We'll take a time out. Don't forget the phone number 913-586-7610. Also the J Southland Toe Service text line 913-586-7610. If you have a question for Ron, uh, we'll address it uh, throughout the show before. But I want to talk about those injuries with Gay and, and Tooney and how important that is. Can anybody step up? Leo Chanel, can anybody step up? Or Nick Allegretti on the offensive line? What you think about him? Because Ed Oliver did not have a pressure, which he's had one every game in the last yeah. two years when he was right across from uh, Tooney in that game. So Tooney, did, well, first team all pro. So he's he's really good. What's it mean with Nick Allegretti? We'll talk about that next. Hey, welcome back. Jay Binkley, Nathan, producing the operation. Ron Kopp, go-to Chiefs guy in studio, lead analyst, HeroHeadPride.com. What are you guys working on this week? 
Oh, my gosh. I mean, AP Film Room tomorrow is going to be a, a very in-depth breakdown of the Chiefs' win over Buffalo. Um, I'll be talking Mahomes' game. We'll be talking about the run game and the defensive performance. But then we'll be looking ahead to Baltimore. I think I'm, 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 I've already been doing some research, but uh, it's – it's a very fascinating matchup. It's one that we haven't seen in a couple of years, Jay. Like yeah. we really haven't. So there's a lot of things that well, unlike the bills game where we've seen it over and over, we already know exactly how it's going to kind of go to an extent. Seen that book before we seen that movie before, excuse me, read that book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And uh, I mean, the last time these two teams played spags had Anthony Hitchens in his defense, a Tyron Math, a shell of Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, you know, Frank Clark, uh, Jaron Reed. I mean, was a lot different of a defense than 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 we got now. So yeah, we'll have five things to watch in the matchup. We'll have some other film preview stuff. We're we're excited. We're fired up for the AFC championship. Yeah, we'll put the baby out with the bath of water here on the Buffalo Bills as we start looking forward to the Ravens. But I do find it interesting about Allen, like which direction they go, the Buffalo Bills. Is that going to be a team to watch in the future? Uh obviously Josh Allen keeps that window open, but are, they are forty nine million over the cap next year. Whew. And McDermott should be fired Anyway, because you got to get over the hump. Andy Reid's 5-0 and against his assistants in the playoffs. Three of them are Deshaun McDermott. And um, he's just not getting the job done. And it's a team that, yeah, you can concentrate on Mahomes all you want. But there's Lamar Jackson. Yeah. That this stage is more accomplished than Josh Allen because he's going to have a second MVP. Then you got Joe Burrow yes. still to deal with it. And you're going to have to deal with C.J. Stroud. Oh, yeah. I think that uh, he has proven that you're going to have to deal with him in the future. So it's not just Mahomes. There's other quarterbacks in the wings waiting, including a guy, Aaron Rodgers, in his own division. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you watch how the Bills have lost some of these playoff games, and you can't point to Josh Allen. I mean, you really can't, even though we were laughing at Sean O'Hara, you know, defending him so hard. You it, you can't say that Josh Allen has has been the reason they have lost. So, okay, what's the next reason? A lot of game management things, right? It really has been a lot of times where... Running a fake punt on fourth and five when Nick Bolton, by the way, called it out. So watch the, the fake. They're going to run the fake. Oh, my gosh. With DeMar Hamlin, too, which, you know, no, it's just, I mean, not an offensive player. I mean, not a, you know, not a, a guy, you know, a skill position player. It's, it is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I do think the Sean McDermott thing is, you know, the talk about him is legitimate because, you know, this defense, you know, he's supposed to be a defensive-minded coach and... You know, as much as the defense has played well in spurts throughout his tenure there and, and has played really well, every time they play the Chiefs, they don't get stops and they don't get it done when they need to. And again, you know, you and when they played the Bengals last year, didn't get stops. They got run all over. So at some point, a defensive coach is going to kind of take the blame. And, and and so, yeah, I think I think they should probably think about something. But I don't I don't think they should go too crazy with with rehauling. Right. I think. They did get this close. They do have Josh Allen. They do have good weapons. There was a lot of injuries they faced this year on the defensive side of the ball. But I do understand why McDermott might be. And A.J. Klein was getting ready to go on a family vacation. He was waved from earlier <laughs> yeah. on their practice squad. <sighs> and he had to come back and play for him. The Chiefs targeted him all the time. Yeah, Kelsey was abusing him. They, they, they were going after A.J. Klein the entire time. All right, two names to really watch. They're very important. Willie Gay is extremely important with his speed as far as being that spy. You know, Willie Gay's a guy, let's not forget, when he was drafted by the Chiefs, he was the number one coverage linebacker that came out uh, the year that they got him. Very important. And then Joe Tooney on that offensive line. I mean, he's coming into his own. He's the only guy in the NFL history to start in the Super Bowl, his first three years starting in the NFL because he's with the Patriots. And in the in the pack, 
It's something to watch. And Allegretti had to step in and play. Yeah. Your thoughts when Allegretti comes in? Because Allegretti probably be a starter for most teams in the NFL. Right. That's why the Chiefs have probably one of the best contingency plans imaginable in the NFL uh, in terms of having a guy that not only is a solid player, like we we know Allegretti is solid. He's also been with the team forever. So it's not like it's just some talented player that maybe isn't used to and coming in. center, and, guard, whatever you yeah. want. But I think left guard actually is kind of his natural yep. position. It's what he kind of it's what he started with the most for the Chiefs over his time. I think so. wrestling background too. Yeah, there you go. So I mean, I think that's a great thing for the Chiefs, and I think they can feel gr- perfectly fine, you know, if Tooney, you know, because you would rather have a full go guard than you know, even if Tooney is seventy percent, you know, that seventy percent could be the reason Matabuke abuses Mahomes on, on on Sunday, or you know, or. You know, some of these other guys the Ravens have, you know, Travis Jones, he's a big dude. You know, we, I know you remember him from draft draft prep a few years ago. That guy, that guy's a monster. So all that to say is, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs can feel good about putting Allegretti in and don't, be careful with that peck stuff because that's like the main function and how to block is, yeah. is using that peck. So if, if he's not feeling good, they should probably lean towards Allegretti. And you're talking about the two top sacking teams in the NFL, Baltimore 60, Chiefs 57, number one and number two scoring defenses. And it yeah. seems like all we're talking about with the Ravens is this Lamar versus Mahomes. Okay, Mahomes, 369 yards a game when he plays Lamar Jackson. Uh, we know that two great head coaches in, in Harbaugh and Reed, both of them have won championships. And then you have this defensive equation. And what excites me is the Chiefs that have loaded up on defense in the draft, seven out of ten two years ago, five out of seven last year defensive players. I feel that in Detroit's going to be an offensive rebuild for this team, and it's going to be very exciting to see where the direction, especially in a wide receiver draft. We talked about last year and how that was kind of yeah. crappy. This year's not. Yeah, And right. it's going to be fun to, to see. But right now, when you, when you think about this offensive line and where they're at, and you know they're going to have to do something at left tackle as well with Donovan Smith, Do you? I feel that he's played pretty damn good the last couple of games since yeah. he's been back. Donovan Smith looks like a different guy. He looks almost like the vintage Donovan Smith. Yeah, I agree, but you do, we do have to acknowledge the challenge or the opponents they've gone against, right? Miami down three edge rushers, their top three guys, a um, bunch of veterans they had to go and against. And what's funny is Miami and Buffalo, two of the top five sacking teams in the NFL, but they didn't have anybody to get to the quarterback. Right, and, and the thing with Buffalo is, like, they did kind of have their guys uh, on the defensive line. I'm just not very impressed. I, I, I think they kind of swung and missed on a lot of those those guys as, as, as true playmakers, right? Russo is just a solid player. You know, Epines is just a solid player. And then obviously Von Miller is is not is nothing compared to the contract he's. So all that to say is, I really feel like the Bills and Dolphins have not challenged this offensive tackle group, and it's really been beneficial for this offense. And Mahomes dropping back, but yeah, the Juwan Ra- is look good. Juwan Taylor, I mean, gets the penalties too, yeah. but still had one. He and Donovan both had one of the same play the last time, but he has played better the last couple of games. Yeah, and and the thing with Jawan, I mean, I think he's really been good getting his confidence back by letting – we talked about it earlier, the run blocking. He is – he's a great run blocker when they let him just down block and, and get on a linebacker and latch on, and, and, and so he does a good job there. But I will say this Ravens team coming up, you know, I know Jadavion Clowney is a name that seems like, oh, is he really that good? He's been a solid player this year, but they also have Kyle Van Noy, a, 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 you know, a, a, splash, a splashy playmaker off the edge, and Odafe Owe, who – you know, he's kind of their third guy. I think Van Noy and, and Clowney are kind of their primary edge rushers, but Owe definitely gets after it. He's an athletic dude, very young, still kind of a raw, just just gets after it, kind of uh, edge rusher from Penn State from a few years ago, kind of one of the Chiefs to to draft him at one point. I thought he'd yeah, be I like a, him too. Yeah, so um, I definitely think they have the best trio of edge rushers uh, throughout the, this playoff from the Chiefs have faced, and so it's going to be the toughest test for Donovan and Juwan after they've gathered some confidence because I definitely think you're right. They've played better.
Yeah, yeah, they have. And uh, I do want to talk about this defense, too, a little bit uh, with Spagnola And you look at last year, it's unbelievable what he did with the – because everybody's worried about the pass rush and getting to the quarterback. And he found a way to manufacture it because nobody blitzes uh, secondary players like Steve Spagnola does. 55 sacks last year, number two in the NFL, only behind the Eagles. It is kind of interesting that uh, the – how good the Eagles were in sacking the quarterback and the Chiefs, and how important that number is actually for teams getting to the uh, the Super Bowl. And then in this game, you have number one versus number two. And the Chiefs record, I think, is 60 back in like 90 with uh, Derek Thomas and stuff. So they're very close. 57 sacks again this year. They just started coming and coming later in the year where they, more guys you know stepped up and got them. Jones and Karloftis, both double digits. And, yeah. you know, guys blitzing from the secondary and Shamari Connor and Legereus Sneed and the different pressures that they could provide. But how good a job do you think Steve Spagnola? Because, I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where I don't know if there's a better assistant in the NFL. I, I would probably argue. Because, I mean, I saw some stat uh, recently on Twitter today that, like, no offensive coordinator has even kept their job uh, over the last two seasons in terms of there's been offensive coordinator turnover in, on every team over the last two years. So you can't really even factor in offensive coordinator to that to that equation. So, yeah, I, I think Spags is absolutely one of the best because when you think about, you know, what he's done with 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 a team where obviously this team is allocating the the resource to the offense, right? Like obviously he is on a team where, hey, we need to win with offense. We are going to spend on offense. You get what you get and, and work with it. And what he's done is, is obviously Veach deserves credit too, but taking all these young guys and, and, and developing them, especially in the secondary, man. I mean, that's where it's been most evident. And that's where Spags has his hands on the most in training camp and practices, He's a DB's guy. It really, you know, Dave Merritt deserves a ton, ton of credit, right, Jay? I think he's a, a he's a great assistant coach. And Spags is instrumental in Merritt, too, instrumental in draft. But yeah. as far as watching these players, oh, watching yeah, the I'm film sure. when Beach has a certain number of guys, Spags been very instrumental in who they pick. And again, you had the five rookie defensive backs play last year in the Super Bowl. They don't win the Super Bowl without the rookies last year, right? And I think Spags deserves a ton of credit for that. But man, the the job Dave Merritt has done as well individually, and the way you know, just the way he he deserves to be defensive coordinator somewhere. He probably will be soon. And uh, you know, when you listen to him talk, man, that's a guy that that knows how to relate with players, that knows how to get the most out of players. He had a great anecdote about Chamari Connor in a press conference earlier, where my guy, yeah. And he, he is your guy, and he had a great game. We haven't talked about him yet, but uh, just just Dave Merritt is just a, a great player developer, and and I think Spags and him together have made this defensive back room probably one of the best just overall rooms in the NFL. No, they really have, and the way the guys are fitting in and who they go out and take and why they take them. Like, everybody's kind of taken for a reason, and I believe Mahomes was taken for a reason because he was the guy that at Texas Tech had to score every time he was on the football field. <laughs> He literally was because their defense was the worst in college football at points against. Well, and so he had to literally do it. Yeah. And Bob Sutton was the defensive coordinator then when, when, when they made that pick. So uh, they kind of knew maybe, Hey, he would fit that way. But now you have the perfect storm where Spags is five years, six years into it. Just, just has his defense, has his team. And this is what it looks like, man. It is exciting to see a a chiefs team with a a super bowl caliber kind of defense, really trying to uh, ride it all the way. Yeah, it's been, and Shamari Connor was taken. He did lead, lead Virginia Tech in sacks a couple of years ago. Yeah. Leo yes. Chennault is not necessarily known as a pass rusher. However, he did lead Wisconsin in sacks from Play the makers. inside position. And he had a higher pass rushing grade than Herbig and TJ Watt at Wisconsin. Well, in relative athletic score, that's one thing you always see with these guys. It's always high. And <laughs> Chennault's was 9.99, if I remember. And, and a lot yeah, of these Brady's guys. Yeah, sitting were, there jumping so. top of the bus, grabbing on, jumping on up. <laughs> People talk about yeah. the great move by Jason Kelsey getting out of the suite. 
How about uh, Leo with the uh, parade? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, Jason, the Jason Kelsey stuff was amazing. I yeah, that was uh, that that was awesome. But coming up next, though, take a look at Andy Reid and uh, what he's been able to do in his career. The unbelievable stuff and numbers uh, that he's put together, and some of the uh, some of the records the Chiefs players are chasing. Next. Welcome back, Jay Binkley, Nate, producing the operation, Ron Kopp, lead analyst, Arrowhead Pride, in studio. Yeah, Ron, if you look at these numbers, total defense, Chiefs second, Ravens sixth, run defense, Chiefs 18th, which is a concern because they are the number one running team in the NFL. They're 14th. That's their Achilles heel, teams running against them. Pass defense, uh, the Baltimore Ravens are sixth, the Chiefs are fourth. Points per game, Chiefs two. Ravens won. They're 16.5, Chiefs 17.3. Not really that far behind them in 60 sacks to the Chiefs 57. Again, I think the narrative is going to be Mahomes and Jackson, which I understand that completely. There's also a sub-alternative of John Harbaugh, who's got a ring, going against Andy Reid with two. That's an interesting equation because a lot of times college football is more about the coaching matchups than pro football. And then you have two dynamic defenses going at it. And then you have Justin Tucker versus Harrison Butker. <laughs> a lot of storylines. There's, there's a lot of storylines between these two teams. Yeah, no, I, I like the storyline of the, the Mahomes versus number one defenses, right? Uh, we were just kind of talking about reminiscing on like that, you know, how they beat up the Niners last year when they were the number one defense, right? Mahomes does have this knack for playing at his best against teams that are ranked in scoring number one, uh, you know, points per game wise. He has a, a crazy record against that. I wish we I had that stat. I, I I I wish I was smart enough to pull that before. But that's the thing is the Ravens have earned that that number one overall uh, defense to me because they have a lot of playmakers. I know we've talked about kind of up front with some of their pass rushers, but man, that's a, the main difference that the Chiefs are going to see from the first two games of these playoffs to a, the AFC Championship is the linebackers against Miami against Buffalo. Miami uh, both teams dealt with linebacker injuries. The Chiefs exploited both teams. Man, I, I number 45 for Miami, Duke Riley. I know people who follow me have, have heard me say it, but that guy was an absolute liability, absolutely got destroyed by the Chiefs. Number 52, A.J. Klein, we've already talked about that, got, got killed by the Chiefs this last game. There's no weak point in that Baltimore uh, linebacker core between Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. I mean, those guys are just studs. They fly around the field. They fill gaps. They make plays in the pass in pass coverage. They're not as exploitable as some of these other linebackers the Chiefs have played where, you know, Travis Kelsey can get a head nod and, and, and go one way and, and, and get all the separation. Roquan's got not, not going to make it that easy. So, and Kyle Hamilton. He plays a lot in the slot. He comes down a lot. He, he plays. He might even play over Kelsey. He might kind of just pick up Kelsey, honestly. So it's going to be interesting, man. I think this the, the Ravens' second level of their defense, their safeties and linebackers, are probably the best, the most important kind of uh, matchup for the Chiefs' offense. And I've talked a lot about it. You know, the Chiefs don't mind playing on the road. It was the big storyline last week. They don't. They're, they honestly play better on the road than at home. That's why Mahomes, what, 17 and 1? Now against the AFC West teams on the road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they play very well. And then, you know, after the game in Buffalo, Mahomes had this to say in the locker room. Hey, real quick, real quick, real quick. Hey, they asked for it. Yeah. And they got what they asked for. But he said it. This ain't done. We come back next week, ready to go. And turn it up a notch. Chiefs on three, one, two, three. So they don't mind going. They get ticked off, and I like it. Tom Brady, I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, Tom Brady's podcast that he does each and every week. Tom Brady's got you know his own mm-hmm. yeah, his yeah. own podcast. And I'm sure it's uh, well listened to. And uh, Tom Brady said this about Mahomes: 
He's an incredible competitor, and I think it's on display in the biggest moment. So I, everyone, I got a lot of questions for you. Again, what do you think? It's at Buffalo. And I said, I think I like Patrick. He he doesn't doesn't phase him. He doesn't care that it's in Buffalo. He wants to go out and play who's ever the best to see how he matches up. And he always seems to play his best in the big moments. And you know, even the Super Bowl where we got him in when we were in Tampa, he was – you know, he was running all over. He ran for 450 yards, you know, horizontally across the field in order to get passes off. And there was kind of an onslaught of pressure. But he still, in those moments, was giving his team a chance to win from his athletic tenacity, his competitiveness. He's got so many of the intangibles. So beyond his ability to throw the ball, run it when he does, he had a great run yesterday. I think he's got these intangibles that everyone believes. And I said it in the third quarter yesterday, as soon as Casey took the lead, it felt like Buffalo's got to go, oh, God, this is not the game we wanted. And that's Tom Brady on Patrick Mahomes. This team carries that chip on their shoulder. Mahomes is the ultimate blank around and find out guy. I mean, he really is. You <laughs> yeah, say things. Over and, my dead body. And, and he hears everything. Yeah. Because people tell him. I don't know if he reads it anymore. Or not. I don't know if he stays up at night and reads it. But he sees it. It drives Chance City Chiefs fans nuts. You see him on Twitter trying to react to it. They're all over Sean O'Hara now. They've been all over the Buffalo Bills. You know, tweeting out about that trade. Thanks for doing business, Chiefs. Um, I, again, I said thank your Buffalo Bills fans because, again, they were throwing the snowballs at the Chiefs, but they should have thrown them at the front office because <laughs> it's their fault the Chiefs have Mahomes. Literally, this whole yeah. town is different because of the Buffalo Bills, and thank you uh, yeah. for the Chiefs having The Mahomes trade, the Trent McDuffie trade, you know. They but got they Kyrie like to prove stuff, and they're getting to the point now, well, this is the challenge for them. You know, Andy Reid's always talking about challenges, but they like this stuff. Andy Reid's number two all-time. With 24 uh, postseason wins, only Belichick had him at 31. Kelsey sits six catches behind Jerry Rice for all time stat. postseason stats. Some I track before the postseason. I'm saying, all right, how far behind is he? He's already the number one tight end ever in the postseason. Where's he at with Jerry Rice? Because Jerry Rice has the trifecta yards, receptions, and touchdowns. Where's Kelsey match up against? It's like 400 and something yards behind. He's not going to beat that this year. But he's four touchdowns behind now because he had two this last week. So four behind Jerry Rice all time for a receiving touchdown. And he's five or six catches away passing Jerry Rice for postseason receptions. And despite, you know, Tafoya and everybody else putting these <laughs> stories out that he's going to retire, I don't believe it. I think he's got at least a year or two more left in him. And, you know, the, he might he might catch or pass Rice in Baltimore. And if they go to the Super Bowl or whatever, he'll pass it this year and he'll definitely pass it next year. But you know, he's gonna be standing alone. He, I mean, they're chasing history right now. He's set up because I not only this year, right, that they that you know, they do have a chance with Rice kind of coming on for Kelsey to get more space, to you know, have more yards, get more catches. He scored twice against Buffalo. He can he can do that again. But I think if you look into future years, Jay, and to your point. This offense is only going to add playmakers, add guys that are going to take the pressure off of Kelsey because they clearly did not do that well enough these last couple of years. I think the front office can acknowledge that. And I think you're going to see that overcorrection that we've seen at the offensive line. We've seen a defense. They're going to overcorrect with playmakers, I think. And you're going to see, you know, more guys that, that Mahomes can go to or that he can hand the ball off to and make a big play in 2024, 2025. And all that's going to do is is make it easier for Kelsey to to just, you know, get those easy, you know, yards, get those 60, 70 yards a game, score a touchdown, you know, score six, seven, eight, nine touchdowns in a season or something. So, yeah, I, I think he's well set up uh, to, to still be playing in the playoffs and, and still have 
plenty of uh, you know chances to to get those records. I, I, and I think that you know that matters to him. Well, he's six all time in in playoff quarterback with victories. He's tied you know with thirteen victories. One more puts him in fourteenth. It's starting to get in rear air. Of course, uh, Brady sits out there with like thirty one or something because obviously <laughs> that's going to be a tough one to chase. But thirteen playoff wins already, and the fact that he's been a starter for six years. They love throwing that stat out there, but the first seven years with the numbers, he only played one game, you know, yeah. that one year. But to be a starter six years and be in six straight title games, that to me is still one of the craziest. Oh, he's is. got a bunch of crazy stats out there. But all the seasons have either ended in the Super Bowl with the win, the Super Bowl with the loss, or an AFC title game, a loss in overtime, like the Patriots game and the Bengals game. Didn't give him a regulation, meaning nobody's played more football than Patrick Mahomes. Well, and it just gives him that experience that when a season like this one happens where, hey, the offense does not look good down the stretch, down when they're really supposed to be winning games. They let the one seed slip away. They, you know, these, all these things are going wrong when it just feels like it's, it's self-inflicted errors. And it feels like, oh, should this team just kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, roll up and quit because they're just continue to make these dumb errors and this offense is not going to be fixed, blah, blah, blah. Well, Mahomes has been through that. Mahomes has been, you know, that 2021 season had a similar stretch as the one we've seen this year. And he went all the way to the overtime in the AFC championship that year too. Uh, you know, he, he went far that year. All that to say he's been there. He's done that. And he's still young enough in his prime to have that experience and still be the best quarterback in the NFL at the same time. Usually it's kind of like, Hey, you get that wisdom once you're kind of past all that. Right. So that's the amazing part of him. I just heard from uh, Pete Sweeney. You're oh, yeah? at arrowheadpride.com. The uh, boss man who is going to Baltimore, I believe. Is he really? I think so. I didn't know. I think you guys sure? SB Nation, you guys send me. What? I Shout think, out Pete. I, I, I think Pete's going man. there. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Can't Is that gonna put you in a suitcase? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 short, but I'm not that short. I think he's going. He asked me, he texted me and asked me if I mentioned the six interceptions. <laughs> well, he missed the beginning of the show. <laughs> Ron's I, I always considered you very generous, Ron. Yeah, you know, I like to spread it around too. It wasn't the same guy who picked me off six times. So you're an analyst now. Yeah, exactly. Not a not you a. You gave it your best shot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This quarterbacking thing just, you yeah, know, had to. Yeah, I'm better at talking about it than uh, yeah, you know. No, I'm I'm I uh I like where, I like where we're at, Jay. You know, I like I like reminiscing. I on it. man, I like I, it too. I'd rather not be throwing the six picks now. It's Al Bundy, man. <laughs> I six interception in one game. Hey, <laughs> Beat that five touchdowns in one game, second That's game good. of the year. Hey, I, that, no one, no one talks about that. No one any, talks about any, that. Well, because I, I didn't do that game. Yes, uh, is there, but, uh, I wish I would have. Uh, any picks that game with the five touchdowns? I don't think so. No, actually, there was. Yeah, there was uh, yeah. I was. I was very uh, generous. I was a volume thrower, so there's gonna be some. Yeah, picks, you did, you know? man. You guys were uh, like you're you spread, spread it out, man. But Andy Reid, now he's uh, eleven championship games, eleven, twenty five years of coaching. That means forty four percent of the time, his season has ended in the Super Bowl or the AFC or NFC championship game. That's doing that 11 times in 25 years, 44%. That is, you know, nearly a 50, 50 shot that Andy Reid is going to the promised land. Well, since he's been in Kansas City, his worst year is 2014. Yeah. When he was nine year. and seven. And there's yeah. a lot of teams would love to be two games over 500. Yeah. They consider that building blocks. We looked at that as a disappointment. Well, and, and one of the things I always remember about that season is we did, the Chiefs did beat the two Super Bowl contendents that year, content or the Super Bowl attendees that year, right? The Patriots and let's and not the forget Seahawks. the Chiefs were seven and three that year until that 0 uh, Ra- 10 Raiders game where the Raiders beat the Chiefs and oh, it wow. all went downhill. There's a poll. 
Yeah. No, the thing that blows me away about Andy Reid is that he's had this such this illustrious career, this this statement career in Kansas City. He did. He made a whole nother. He has a whole nother career in Philadelphia where, like you mentioned, he had five you know trips to the conference championship game, didn't win the Super Bowl. But Andy's been doing this forever. It's it's amazing to think he had a whole nother 10 years, 12 years before he even came to Kansas City. I never forget when he when he first got to Kansas City and man, things have changed because I, I did the post game. Even the year before, my first year at 16 was the year before Andy Reid got here. Nice. And it was one where uh, Romeo had to take over, remember, at the end of the year. Oh, I remember. Javon Belcher year. The, the inside edition was here with the booing of. Yeah, I was at that the, Panthers game. The yeah. booing of the quarterback. And it, it, it was the Chiefs didn't have a lead through uh, nine weeks in the season. Being compared to the 1927 Buffalo Bison. I'm, I'm not kidding. It was that bad. And Brian Dable, your, your Giants leader. Uh, fearless leader uh, was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably the worst offensive coordinator the Chiefs have ever had is Brian Dable. Had Sirianni on staff too. And Sirianni, who liked to talk junk to the Chiefs fans, who went completely in the toilet since he did that. Karma's a bitch, man. It is. It gets you. It gets you. But I remember forget Bill Moss making a comment. Um, I think it was Fesco in the morning. So it was one of the shows, and about how when you're Andy Reid, you can hire whoever the hell you want. Because he came in, you know, with Dave Tobe, Eric Bieniemy yeah. was coming in as his running backs coach at that point. He can hire anybody he wants, and he did. He put a great staff, and then the Chiefs said, "All right, who can stop the Patriots?" Because the Chiefs had their eye not on the division, the AFC. Who can stop Tom Brady and the Patriots? We need that guy. So they go out and get Spagnola, who ended yeah. their perfect season. Yeah, no, I think the two coaching hires, those two coaching hires, have been swings and and grand slams. I mean, you know, shout out. Clark Hunt for making the Andy Reid thing happen, but I think Andy was obviously, you know, very instrumental in getting Spags here. And uh, that's the thing. I don't know how Spags ha- is still here. You know, how, how, is, how is the team not uh, giving him another opportunity to be a head coach? Especially with me. the seismic shift towards defense we've seen in the NFL. Well, I mean, plenty of defensive coaches get these opportunities. It's, it's, it's not like these DCs don't get them. It's just... The OCs were getting the big run the last couple of years, but defenses yeah. look good yeah i don't know a guy like dan quinn might get another job um but someone like spags you know who has just won two super bowls and he might be happy just doing this and and right that's the thing is as like don capers you know had his shot at head coach and <laughs> yeah dick lebeau north turner yeah. better coordinator than head coach i mean some guys yeah. just find their role yeah no exactly so that's a good point and spags may not be interested but uh i think i think he's got a pretty good thing going here and it's and and we're thankful for it because this defense is is one of the best the team's ever seen, um, you know, to be honest with you. So. And I don't think a lot of it, I think we look at the players a lot in the quarterback position, and, and understandably that's why the Chiefs are good is because of Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. But it takes a great coaching staff. And you have a good front office too because they have to supply the players and they have to play under the cap. What Shea has done and Brent Tillis and all that with the salary cap, uh, making true trades, you know, taking Parker Anger. In trading it for Shervarius Ward. <laughs> no, that that, that always Ward, to me. Shervarius Ward is one of the better cornerbacks in the league now. He played okay with the Kansas City, but he's played great in San Francisco. And again, that was a deal with Parker Anger. You got to make a deal with the uh, Ravens for Lando Brown, even though yeah. people hate him. It still was the Chiefs' left tackle for a Super Bowl win. Absolutely. And they get Nick Bolton at pick 58. So you got to do all that, and you have to draft well. well and I'll- he's drafted. Well, okay, you have five rookie defensive backs. He had 61 starts as rookies last year, third most in the NFL. The top two pick, number one and two in the draft. So that's pretty good for the Chiefs. They flipped the roster 100%, well, not 100%, four guys pre-Mahomes, two of them specialists, but they've essentially flipped the roster right in front of our eyes. It takes a whole group 
yeah. to do everything the Chiefs are doing. Well, and I, I do want to just your point on them drafting well. Steve Palazzolo of PFF tweeted this out. Uh, highest non-quarterback war wins above replacement added in the draft since 2015. The Chiefs lead the entire NFL in that category. Just bas- basically a way to just kind of uh, uh, show that the Chiefs draft very, very well. well so going into the last point. year, they had 21 of 22 guys still on the roster. Yeah. That, from and, the previous yeah, three drafts. Exactly. So nobody else had that number. And that, it's one yeah. thing if you're the Cardinals or something, you have that number. It's another thing if you're winning Super Bowls with that exactly. number. That, that is a, that is a huge, it's a great canyon size gap difference between those teams because they're actually winning the whole damn thing. Yeah. With, with that kind of group well, that he's put together in the draft. And, you know, he nailed the receiver rice. They, they, they were throwing one dart at a receiver and they drafted the number two receiver in receptions and yards, only well, behind Puka. And again, I'm not giving the Rams a bit of credit for Puka because <laughs> everybody passed on him, including themselves, many times. Well, and the other thing, too, is Rasheed makes up for Sky. Like, you, you can't hit a home run every time, right? But Sky, second-round pick, doesn't work out. Hey, just go back to the well. Rasheed works out, cancels it out, makes it all good. And we're going to see a lot of receivers. I can't wait to talk draft with you coming up here, yes, buddy. Yes, sir. Looking forward to that. We'll take a timeout. We come back. Uh, look one more time here at some of the numbers the Chiefs are tra- uh, chasing before we switch into 100% Ravens mode next. Welcome back, Jay Binkley, Nate producing, Ron Cobb in studio for us. Finally, a little bit of tension, but the Chiefs are uh, only three teams have given up less than 300 points this year, and they're the three Super Bowl favorites. Hey, it's a Ravens 280, Chiefs 294, 49ers 298. It's been a defensive year. It's been all year we've talked about it, right? I mean, it's the Browns were, you know, the team for a while that everyone wanted to talk about. The Ravens are a great defense. The Niners, you know, have a good defense to an extent. The Cowboys did. It's been a defensive year, and and it's kind of been a fun year for the Chiefs to have that good defense. Well, the numbers are in. There's 56 million people watching the uh, Bills and Chiefs, which is perfect. It was the night game, and, you know, you knew it was going to happen. People were going to settle in and watch it, and it's most divisional game, watch game ever. Yeah. And – uh the second most watched game since the Super Bowl last year, which was the number one all-time watched game in history, the Chiefs number one watched program in history, Chiefs and Eagles. Um, it's funny that the, the top 100 programs in 2023, 93 were NFL games. Yeah. Oh yeah. <coughs> Out of 100, 93 were, and 15 of those were Chiefs games. Oh yeah, I'm sure. When the Chiefs have everybody where they want them, you know they are a hated team in the NFL. People want to see the Chiefs fail. They really do. It's not hyperbole they do but they've got them where they want them because it's at that point <coughs> it's at that point you either love them or hate them yeah so you're turning in to see them win yeah right like kc or you're turning in to see them lose yeah but the bottom line is is they're tuning in no the power of hate is almost just as it's probably stronger than the power of wanting to, to root them on right i mean getting people to come in and want the chiefs to lose just like i mean hey it's this, I, I kind of tweeted out, Villain Arc achieved, you know, once they won this game last week, right? Because I think it, t- until this point, it didn't f- truly feel like maybe this was a Patriots-level type of villain, villain, you know, story the Chiefs have. But sending a team like Buffalo home 
three out of four years, a, a, you know, a team that has, oh, you know, the Bills Mafia, you know, everyone loves them jumping through tables and, you know, doing all that. And catching themselves on fire now because a lot of tables not even broken. <laughs> well, and sacrificing themselves in pits. I don't know if you if you saw that, yeah. but they, they do that too, apparently. So in lines gear. Yeah. <laughs> so all that to say is, is you know, yeah, I, I think this, no, I, I, it's just, it is amazing, um, you know, seeing them be where they are, so. Yeah, I mean, they're turning into where people want. I mean, it's exactly exactly where you want people. You want them to hate you, and you want them to like you. Well, and, the, and is, but they're watching, and, and that's will, what they want is they want to watch. I will say the Kelsey podcast too. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm someone who listens to it, and and I, I I can see why they have garnered a big listening fan base. The like X's they, and O's are insane. Well, and they're very good at just the other stuff too. If you don't like football, just kind of being, you know, uh, you know, their stories, right? Their stories from being all that combined. I don't know. I, I think. Taylor Swift, Travis, I mean, there's so many things factoring into the NFL not being, not only being more popular, but the Chiefs continuing to just, Chiefs Kingdom's growing, man. Let's, let's, and let's it just takes the spotlight it. off Mahomes a little bit. Oh, yeah, a little it's bit. taking a little bit of pressure off That's that. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, because it's not all about him. No, Travis is probably a bigger star than Mahomes now. Uh, but it's taking some of the pressure off, you know, right. which I think is probably a good thing. I know, but I just think about that maybe a year or two ago, saying that, oh, yeah, Travis Kelsey is going to be a, a bigger name in just terms of pop culture Motto. than Mahomes. Like really? Like you the sure guy about in the that? motto jersey? Because everyone knows his hair and stuff. But man, I don't know. Kelsey probably has it now. Ever since SNL, ever since you know all this Taylor Swift stuff. Yeah, he plays for an NFL team, and she can buy one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the difference between being rich. And hey, maybe that's the goal, right? Maybe you know, he's, <laughs> he's trying to you know, hey, get in on some ownership. He's employed by one, and she can. Well, if she wants to. She could probably buy him one. Will she buy him one? That's a question. Will she go out and buy Travis a team? I mean, hey, uh, she's a know, billionaire, so maybe not NFL team, but Kansas City can use a basketball team, right? <laughs> like, I, you know, I mean, we've all been wanting it like this. Maybe this is our path. Maybe hey, this there, is it. There is speculation about what the Mahomes family is going to do after they retire and if they're going to keep, you know, contributing to the area. At the well, they bought in that F1 and team. They, they Mahomes did. and Kelsey did that F1 team. They did. Yeah. Now you got an, a billionaire on board. Hey, uh, I'm I'm saying this is it, guys. We, we found the way. Once you go in the sports uh, or NHL, be a sports agent, my friend, we can do. Hockey. I mean, you got the acumen. You already got the legal uh, degree. I'd love to. Love to. Got a couple buddies doing it. Uh, Already a lawyer. If I uh, ever got an opportunity, I definitely could say (laughs) it. I mean, you already got the hard parts done. The hard part's being a lawyer, and you are. It's a great gig. I'd love to to see where this industry takes me. Maybe I can merge the two. How do you do a bar with that? You're bar in what, Missouri? Yeah. Is that the only state you've got? Uh, Missouri and Kansas. Oh, you got Kansas bar, Uh too? How does that work with agents, though? They have to get their bar or just have different lawyers from that state write up the official paperwork for them. Yeah, either or. I think a lot of them are licensed, um, you know, have passed the bar in that state, and have just been around for so a while. So you got to do it individually with each state. There's no – The transfer rules are okay. – We could do a whole three-hour show on, <laughs> okay. on transferring your, your score. <laughs> too, too, too much information, too much information. Reggie and Anaheim is on the line. 913-586-7610 is the phone that we're on. Cops in for the next hour as well as we break down the Chiefs. Reggie, I'll go to you after this break.